Hi, Steve Arterburn here, and welcome to the New Life Live podcast. We hope to provide help and hope in your life through God's Word, counselors, and psychologists as we answer questions from listeners who call with the challenges of life. Let's go to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Uh, This is your warning. It's pre-Valentine's Day, so if you need to go get a card or candy or something, you've got about 24 hours to fulfill that commitment to your loved ones. And it doesn't have to be a spouse. It could be somebody that you love. Like Jill Hubbard said last week, it is a day to celebrate love. And so I hope you do that. Today, we're going to celebrate taking calls from you, 1-800-229-3000. And Dr. Alice Benton and J.J. West are with us today. And, uh, you know, J.J., I know that you are one of our speakers at our Intimacy and Marriage Intensive, which we are going to have this weekend in Southern California, and as well as our Every Man's Battle Intensive. And you've helped so many people. I would love to know what is on your mind today that you'd like to share with the listeners. You know, I've been thinking a lot about the importance of humility in community, um, that we, we so often, when we get off track, it's because we have not humbled ourselves to, to listen to others, be in relationship with others. We've forgotten, there's a, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, uh, Paul says, you know, he quotes, uh, you know, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. But then he closes it with, but we have the mind of Christ. And, and that the, the fact that he uses the plural pronoun there, I think, is important. That each of us as individuals don't have the mind of Christ on our own. But when we're in community with others, we can know the mind of the Lord. It's, mm. when, it's when I'm just on my own that I... I easily distort what the Spirit is telling me, um, and the further I go in isolation, the further distorted I get, to the point where, I mean, I'm, you know this, right? We, we have clients who come in, and they'll tell us they, they were convinced that, that God wanted them to leave their spouse and go off with this other person because they were more... Um, uh, compatible. They were, they were a believer and their spouse wasn't, or, you know, some, something along those lines. And, and, and it was these incremental steps that, that they took where further and further they were isolating themselves from their spiritual community and not, and not humbling themselves to listen. So they end up getting to a place where they're actually believing a lie that on the, on the face of it, we would look and go, Oh, that's clearly a lie. But, but they don't notice it because they're, they're taking these incremental steps. Rather than humbling themselves and listening to the community, they're listening to their own, their own deception, right? Uh, and so it's, so, it's so important that we are inviting others in. It reminds me, JJ, of a saying that says, my mind is made up, don't confuse me with the facts. And when we're, <laughs> when we're in community, we have to be open and humble to hear what other people have to say, and we become wiser because of it. Alice, what do you think about this? I agree that community protects us, and it also helps us to meet our potential, which we cannot do without others nurturing mm-hmm. us, fueling us, yes. and um, opposing us at times when we're wrong, like right. you are describing. And we might think, but I don't have time to invest in community. I'm a busy parent. But if we don't invest now, when the next difficulty, crisis, tragedy hits, we will need those people in our lives. So it's never too late to invest in other people. But the time to build community is now because we're all going to need it. Yeah. So true. Well, thanks, JJ, for giving us that insight. You know, 
We're all about community. We want to hear from you today. You can call us 1-800-229-3000. And if you're listening on a podcast at different times, remember, we take calls Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. So if you're listening and you have a question, it might be your time to call. We'd love to hear from you. We've helped so many people over the 35 years that we've been doing this. And we hear the testimonies of so many people who listen and say, I learned so much. They're humbling down to be part of the New Life community. Join us. We'll be back after this break. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. I'm Steve Arterburn with a New Life Moment. M.R. Siemens, a retired pastor, was returning home around midnight when he came upon a motorist covered in oil and red-faced with anger. Upon stopping his car, M.R. asked how he could help. The man asked for a ride and immediately left loose with a barrage of profanity. When he finished, he asked the pastor what he was doing out so late, and M.R. told him that he was a pastor returning home from some evangelistic meetings. Embarrassed, the man asked the pastor why he didn't stop him. The pastor replied, Well, your problem isn't your mouth, it's your heart. And he proceeded to share with the man who Jesus was and what it means to be one of his followers. How else should we expect him to speak, M.R. later asked. Would it be better for a man to sing hymns all the way to hell? Do you have questions about God's grace or salvation or what's in your heart? Well, visit newlife.com. I'm Stephen Arterburn. Thanks for listening to this New Life Moment. I always appreciate Steve's wisdom. He has been on sabbatical and will continue there till about mid-April. And we're grateful for what he started in New Life and the lives that have been changed over the years. And, uh, you know, this question that he brings up, is it a heart problem? And, you know, we all, we need to check our hearts as we're looking at this Valentine's Day coming tomorrow. And the things that you just talked about, JJ, as far as the humility that's one of the ways that we can inspect our hearts is that we can share with other people who can, you know, show us, well, have you mm-hmm. prayed about it? Have you thought about it? What are the steps that you're taking? And I know many times the men that you're leading at Every Man's Battle, their hearts have been shut down, have been callous mm-hmm. through the use of um, whether it's porn or affairs or, you know, those kind of things. But JJ, how is it that a man can then turn into, you know, this vulnerable person and accept healing? Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Great question, Becky. So uh, first I would say, yes, uh, the use of whatever their sexual acting out, behavior, porn, affairs, massage parlors, whatever, certainly uh, adds to the callousing of their hearts. But I would say that the, the, the hardening of their hearts even started before that. Oftentimes it's a result of, uh, you know, pain, trauma, um, abandonment, whatever that that they may never have really looked at, and that's one of the things that we that we spend time on at the Every Man's Battle workshop at the intensive. Excuse me, I almost said workshop. Uh, the intensive is that we um, you know we take time one to emphasize humility that we cannot get there without humility, but two that it's important for us to look at these wounds that are on our hearts that are driving so much of our behavior. And, and when, when guys make that, they make that pivot, right? When they're able to see, oh, I'm not just this monster 
who has this mm-hmm. insatiable sex drive, but I'm actually this wounded warrior that needs to find healing. That's that's where the change happens, and that again, it comes through being able to humble ourselves uh, in front of others and being able to humble ourselves in front of God. And 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 quite frankly, a lot of us we only get there when um, we have nowhere else to turn. Everything else has fallen apart. All of our resources have been depleted, um, and we literally have nowhere else to turn. And, and then God says, "Okay, I'm here." Right. And so true. We can't understand all those complexities of our own heart and mind and how trauma has impacted us in isolation. Even in prayer, yeah. we don't get the full understanding of why am I doing what I'm doing? And God seems to have designed us that way. The Bible even says our hearts are like deep waters and we need somebody else who has understanding to help draw us up and out because we don't get it mm-hmm. on our own. And it's so humbling to have to acknowledge I can't figure this out by myself because it would be a lot less embarrassing if I could just fix this on my own. But when men go into your intensive, JJ, and your groups, and they start to hear admissions from others and make their own admissions, and they find out as as embarrassing, as shameful as what I'm doing is, I'm not alone in this. And it's okay for me to start admitting what's happening in my life and then figuring out what's going on in my heart and soul. But it's that community is necessary to figure it out. And everything that we do, yes, yeah, I was just saying, I was just going to say that too, JJ, because in everything that we do, we invite people into that group process where it is the Mm -hmm. scariest thing. Mm -hmm. It's the biggest part of the resistance. You know, it's like, well, I want to go to the intensive, but I don't know about those small groups. Not really sure about how that's going to go. And literally I've been doing those small groups for 20 years and every single time. That has been the most impactful thing. Not that you're not a great speaker, Mm -hmm. JJ, not that Steve's not a great speaker, (laughs) but I tell you, it is the power of that revelation, revelatory group. I don't even know what the word is, Mm -hmm. but it's literally hearing somebody else share their Mm -hmm. heart and being able to hold space for that in a safe space where the facilitator then starts to, you know, process, you know, what are they learning? Because left alone, like you both have said already, we can get all kinds of things sideways. And we hear that a lot of yeah. times when people are listening to the program, they'll they'll say, well, you know, I, well, one of the famous ones we always say, or we hear is that God tells us to forgive. And so I just forgive and I keep going as opposed to what we talk about, where we say, yes, it is forgiveness, but there's also boundaries. There's also some mm-hmm. parameters that go into reconciliation right. and moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you, Becky. It, the work is done in the small groups. The work isn't done yeah. in, the, in the lecture modes where a speaker is speaking. The work is done when I am practically talking about application of what we what we just learned, what we just heard, but how do I apply it to my life? What changes do I need to make? How do I be real? Because you can't, it's hard to be real in a room of 60, 80, 100 guys. I'm, you know, you're not going to be able to have an intimate conversation with all of them, but you can do that in a small group where they, they now know me and them knowing me invites me to be more real, invites me to, instead of instead of hiding in my shame, I can now come out into into the open and and experience healing. 
And we know one of the enormous obstacles that we all face is, but people have hurt me so badly. And I, I went to a group. Mm-hmm. I already tried therapy, and I, I was even more hurt because I've, I went through. I don't even want to try that anymore. We know that that's a real yeah. fear. And so our group mm-hmm. counselors at those intensives are well-trained to keep the structure and the safety of the group so that the healing happens because we know that when you've been hurt by other people, it's hard to reengage with people at this level of intimacy and vulnerability again. So true. We've been doing it for a long time. We're going to continue doing it. And we're, like I said, we're going to have our intimacy and marriage intensive this next weekend coming up. And it's a great way to celebrate marriage in all of its forms, whether you're struggling, whether you have not done anything to, you know, address your marriage, uh, good or bad. We, we know people have work to do. Uh, we're also going to be doing Restore the weekend after next, and then Every Man's Battle will be the first weekend in March. So it, whatever way you need to do the work and, and be part of a community of change, let's have that happen for you. Right now, we're going to go to uh, our caller, and let's see. We're going to go to D. It's a recording that we did uh, with Steve, and I think you'll get some insight into this. Go ahead, Terry. Let's jump over here to Dee from Visalia, California. She listens on XM. How are you, Dee? I'm doing okay. I'm glad to talk to you guys. Thank I you. Uh, want to let you know you guys have really helped me a lot in my life. Thank you. Uh, I went through a divorce some years ago, and uh, you guys were a lifesaver then. And uh, fortunately, I'm in another situation now, but as usual, you guys are a lifesaver here too. So thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. What, how, what can we do for you? Well, I've uh, been separated for eight months from my husband. Um, we got married uh, two and a half years ago. Uh, we've lived apart for about a year of that. Um, my husband um, leaves and comes back. Uh, we went through counseling for about a year, and what came out of that part of it was that his dad used to do that to his mom, and uh, they think that's where his anger came from. Um, but I have to say I've done a lot of while trying to do some work on myself, and I realized that I also have codependency and anger issues myself. Uh-huh, okay. And, um, right now, um... Hmm. So, you're really hurting. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so... I will. Maybe we can help you. What's, what's your question? My question is, if you guys think I'm doing the right thing, by uh filing for legal separation <laughs> because uh, the main reason is is that my husband he, he's not open or transparent in his area of his finances uh, he, he gambles and uh, his parents send him a lot for I think for support although it's kind of like secretive because mm-hmm. I'm not to know about it but I've kind of put two and two together and uh, we still see each other <laughs> But uh, well, the, there's no change happening at all. When when people ask that question, should I separate? You have yeah. to understand the reason for the separation, because there are different kind of ways to do this. The purpose of a separation is actually, I mean, it's called sometimes structured separation or controlled separation. Yeah. The purpose of it is to pull people away from each other so that they can get in their own growth and life process and work on whatever is causing the stress and problem. For example, he would commit to you know, going to a place where he learns about 
finances and his gambling and the addiction or whatever and begins to own that, you would work on a place to look at your own codependency you talked about and that sort of thing. And then there's some kind of monitoring person that can finally say, you guys are safe to come back together. Yeah. That's 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 when it's good. To, the reason to make that decision would be if nothing else is working while we're living together. So it's not a should I leave him. The question is more is what is the fruit that I want to get in this relationship coming from us being together? Do I see anything coming from that or do we need to go to this extreme level to pull things off? Yeah. Right now he's uh, living in a, a different city from me. He's about a half hour away and uh, he lives about a couple of blocks from the parents and I think because of I think because of the stands that I've made, they don't like me at all. So it's kind of because he's so attached to them. He I think he feels like he's really obligated it, is, to. Is he working? To them. Is he working or owning or repenting of or addressing any of the issues you're talking about? You know, uh, when we talk about it, he he says he is, but there's uh, there's not really any actions to go with it. I think he's he's sorry at this point because I've I've made these stands, but when it comes right down to it, there's really no change happening. Right. And I ask but, myself continually: Is it because he can't, you know, at this point because he doesn't understand it enough, well, or is see, that's, he not willing? That's when I would. I think you need to kind of get out of the picture somewhat and bring some people in who have the structure and the expertise and say to him, Sam, here's some people in your city, here's some people in my city, this is what they want to work on. I want you to sign on to getting help because uh, I think you're kind of like randomly doing whatever in, in that other city and not, we're going to just get old. So yeah. so get another expert involved and see if he signs up. Yeah, you want, you want to do things that initiate change or, or give you the greatest hope for healing. That's that's the point of all this stuff. Right, John? The whole idea is reconcile and healing. And reconciliation comes when people begin to heal. All right. You know, it is such a powerful statement when when John's talking about, you know, well, what's the plan? Because they're separated. How are you ever going to get back together, right? And we hear this so many times. It's just we couldn't meet together in the middle, so we just separated JJ or Alice, what you know? Isn't this what we hear on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And 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 it's coming from you know a good a good heart. It's coming from I I I want to live in a way that pleases the Lord. I don't want to violate His law, right? So it's coming from a good place. But so often we are focused on the wrong question, right? We're focused on behavioral <laughs> am i am is this allowed or not allowed mm-hmm. rather than what's the question behind that the mm-hmm. you know what's what's my heart what's the what's the goal what's the plan what's the motivation so you know they did such a good job of saying okay it's not whether or not it's legal for me to you know to pursue a separation is is this is this separation going to lead us to reconciliation right right, right. there has to be a plan And we have heard too many times where people just stay in this separate state of marriage and don't know how Mm -hmm. to cross over that huge gap. You know, if this is your story, we can help you figure out a way to cross that gap. It's not as scary as you might think it is. And many of you are just suffering and just thinking, I can't do anything other than what we're doing right now. I hope that's not you, but if it is, you can call us, 1-800-229-3000. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment, call toll-free, 1-800-229-3000. 
Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. We are taking your calls, 1-800-229-3000. We're going to go to the calls right now. We're going to talk with Diane, who's calls from San Francisco, and she listens on the podcast. And you can, too. You can download it wherever you hear uh, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, Diane. How can we help you today? Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm calling because my husband doesn't do a very good job of keeping in touch with his family. And it's really foreign to me because I come from a close-knit family. And I don't know how I can encourage it without nagging. It wasn't like an abusive family or anything like that. It's just their family dynamic is that they don't keep in touch. Is there anything I can do to improve that without nagging or is it even my place? Well, let's find out. Alice? Diane, when you have brought it to his attention before, how has he responded to even your inquiry or your supportive statements you've already made? He'll just say, oh, yeah, I'll call him. Like, I have to, if it's Father's Day coming up, I really have to encourage, okay, are you going to call your dad? Yeah, yeah, I will. You know, two or three times even on the day, have you called your dad? Why don't we do it now? Yeah, we will we will later. And then sometimes the whole day will go by and he doesn't do it. And is it also successful at times when you remind him? Um, sometimes, but never like immediately. I always feel like it's nagging. And do you know how your reminders affect him? Does he complain about it being nagging? No. He's okay with you reminding him in this way. I think so. He's never like indicated irritation like I'll, I'll do it leave me alone nothing like that mm-hmm. and given that he has a, a relatively healthy family if, if you identify uh, I wouldn't say that <laughs> that was too strong it wasn't abusive <laughs> yeah. but it wasn't healthy either yeah there's dysfunction there but um, it's not like it was an abusive family he'll he'll see them we don't live in the same state as they do anymore but even when we did they just you know, they're a half hour away and they wouldn't get together often. And has the dysfunction been significantly hurtful to him, even if it was historically the case? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, so I, I would wonder if it's just forgetfulness on his part, if it doesn't matter to him to be connected to his family, if he's um, so focused on the other areas of his life that that is just not a priority because it may be that he needs and even wants multiple reminders from you. So I know at least a part of the next step is to have a conversation with him. How does it affect you that I do this? Because I'm a little worried I'm nagging. Do you need it? Do you want it from me? And can we explore together why do you think it doesn't come to you naturally to talk with your family more? Because I worry you're not connected enough. How do you think he'd respond to those kind of questions? Would he be open to talking with you about it? Yeah, you know, that's interesting. I've never thought to ask him. So it, it just doesn't seem like it matters that you're connected to your family. So I'd give him a chance to find out what his answer is to that observation on your part. Because there's all, almost always more under the surface. JJ, what about you? How would you direct Diane in encouraging her husband to participate in family connection? Uh, you know, I am right on the same uh, line. Having this kind of meta-analysis conversation mm, is going to be really important. And to mm. ask those questions around, so for him, what, what's your husband's first name, Diane? 
Um, it's David. David. Okay, so so you say, hey, David, uh, what do you feel when when we're approaching a holiday or a, you know Father's Day, something like that, when it would be a natural time to contact your family? What do you feel about having making a call, contacting them? Is there are you aware of any emotion in you? Is it does it feel burdensome? Do you loathe the idea? Are you feeling, you know, like, don't fill in the blank for him. Let him answer the question, right? But but it would be really important to understand from his perspective, what is that process like? Because that will also help to identify whether or not he really does want those reminders. He really does like it when you help him remember to call or if it feels like you're asking me to do something that I, mm-hmm. I really don't want to mm-hmm. do, right? Yeah. There, there's just areas of weakness in us that as spouses, we can complement each other and we fill in the Mm -hmm. gaps in an ongoing way where maybe he needs you to be his reminder in this area for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. There are ways that my my husband fills in for me, just things that I'm oblivious to and I might always be oblivious to to it. And so it helps me when Mm -hmm. he points out my blind spots and I need him to do it on an ongoing basis and vice versa. So you may figure out, Diane, that this style works for the two of you and is okay, but that deeper dive will help to figure out whether or not it needs to be adjusted. Well, and I have one more aspect that I want you to consider, Diane. Sometimes the way we feel about something may not be truth. And so if you Mm -hmm. get to the analysis of how David approaches this, then you're going to have to probably grieve the fact that he doesn't attach to his family Mm -hmm. like you attach to yours. Mm -hmm. And you're going to feel sad about it. And you're going to, you know, it's going to be kind of confusing. But I think that that's the other part of the the dynamic that kind of comes into play with marriage is that we both have a different way to approach life in so many ways. And we're, we're going to have different feelings about how the other one approaches life. Mm-hmm. And you got to meet somewhere in the middle. And there are going to be times where it just isn't going to go in the way that you might expect it. Not good or bad. It's just trying to find some resolution so that every time there's an event, you're not thinking, gosh, I wish David would call his family. Gosh, you know, honey, have you called him? And that doesn't become a thing that you guys argue about all the time. I hope something that we've said has helped. We are going to send you a copy of How We Love. And, you know, Diane, maybe drive on down and join us in Southern California this weekend. It can make all the difference. Today's podcast is brought to you by Club New Life supporters who give a monthly donation because they want to continue to offer help and hope in these very, very difficult places. To find out more about Club New Life, you can go to our website, newlife.com, or call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now, if you're new to us, we drop an episode every weekday. We would love it if you would rate or write a review, which helps more people discover help and hope and helps us share wisdom with as many people as possible. Now let's listen to our counselors as they help people walk through life's hardest places. We're glad you joined us for New Life Live. To be a part of the program, call 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. We are taking callers, 1-800-229-3000. We have a few on the board. We're going to go, uh, but we have some openings if you want to give us a call. 
We're going to talk with Don, who's calling us from Columbia, Missouri, and listens to us on the Internet. Hello, Don. How can we help you today? Hi. Um, in some ways, I don't know where to begin because this is about a 60-year story. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, give us the last five, Don. That might be better than 60. Okay. <laughs> well, my, my sister has had Lyme's disease back probably 15, maybe 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. And she ended up having a, a severe reaction to her antibiotics she was on. And at the time, she just dropped all antibiotics and just decided uh, that's just too much for her. She's not going to go that route and tried using natural antibiotic type things. But uh, she she's always kind of had this, had a kind of a controller mentality but um, in recent years, she has gotten very bitter and very angry at the family. And and uh, we got to searching up Lyme's disease and looking at it, me and my brother. And and it, we, we found, I believe it was on um, the Mayo Clinic's website, that there is a, such a thing as Lyme psychosis. Because mm-hmm. at this point, she's telling us things that never happened and blaming us mm-hmm. for things that never happened. And she 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 goes clear back to when we were kids and how I, she says I beat her on the head and caused her lesions on her brain mm-hmm. and many other many other things like that that are just completely not true. She even claims that she was raped one time when she was a teenager, and we asked the girl she was with if that ever happened, and she said no. And that was absolutely did not happen. And, you know, we've been through a lot of just knockdown, drag out arguments because of she just blames the family for all of her problems. And and I just didn't know if you'd ever heard of Lyme psychosis, if it was a thing or if there was treatment for it and how to get her there. Well, let's hear from Alice. You first. Don, just to to fill in the picture a little bit more, how distressing and disturbing, not knowing what to do with these extreme accusations that she's making, how close are you in both proximity and how often are you in contact with her so we get a sense of how much this impacts you? Well, we were kind of strained, you know, for a while until my mother, uh, my mother was in, needed to be put in assisted living and when I put her in there, she started coming around because she just uh-huh. wanted to be see her mother, you know. And uh, you know, the relationship's not all that great. But I've been trying to reach out to her and try to include her on getting things for her for my mother and trying to, you know. And, and yesterday, she she claimed I forced her to do it. And, and, you know, it's the farthest thing from my mind. I don't want her. I don't want her around if she thinks it's forced. But And, and now you're having you contact know. with her maybe a couple times a week. And so if she continues to accuse you, it will have a big impact on you. And the, the more significant accusations she has made, have they happened once or twice? Or is that also ongoing? That's ongoing. Oof. Okay. And, and did she, you say she's she not in treatment anymore? Money. Oh, she she just went on her own with a natural kind of treatment that she found, as far as the you know some type of natural antibiotic and and won't do anything else, won't see anybody. 
says the doctors will kill her if she goes to. So, you know what I'm hearing, though, Don, is that it's how to deal with a loved one who, it, regardless of what the issue is, as far as the psychosis or Lyme-related mm-hmm. um, issue, how do I get, mm-hmm. how do I stay in relationship when there is so much commotion? JJ, what would you offer to Don? Yeah, I, I, I like that um, reframe, that summary, Becky, because uh, you're absolutely right, whether it's, you know, alcoholism or drug addiction or um, PTSD or whatever, anytime there's a situation where someone is not seemingly functioning in reality um, and making these really outlandish accusations, it, it's so disruptive for, for the family. Um, and so, Don, first and foremost, man, our hearts go out to you and your family having to walk through this uh, in the midst of, like you said, you're you know having to put your mom in, in a uh, assisted living facility. You know, life goes on, right? There's other, there's other stressors that are there, and this adds to it. Uh, I think that it's important mm-hmm. to, uh, to draw clear boundaries uh, with a family member when they are um, – when they're when they're making these kind of out, outrageous or outlandish accusations, that, is, uh, that you have to draw clear boundaries. You have to recognize, okay, I have to limit my interactions with you because of the pain that it causes me. I think it's really important as well to do that in conjunction with others that know you well. In this case, you have other siblings uh, that you can kind of talk to and say, okay, am I? Am I remembering this accurately? Because I don't remember that happening. I don't remember ever hitting her over the head. Do, that, do you guys remember that yes, ever that happening? Part. You know, like right that uh, part so you, I've already you know, done, and yeah. I talked to my brother about it, and he's like, "No, it was." He said, "You know, I remember when I when what what she's referring to is when we when I was about fifteen and she was thirteen. She was outgrowing me, and I just kind of would kind of tap her on the head and say, quit growing." And but when she yeah. got to Mayo Clinic and had a uh, had a brain scan done, they told her she had lesions on her brain, and they said they asked her, "Who's been beating on you?" Oh, mm. and and so she automatically associated that with, "Oh, well, that's from yeah. when my brother beat me when we were," mm-hmm. and and just huh. a, about two months ago, she, because my mother was there, she came to my house with her family and we had him over for dinner and at one point I walked up she was sitting on the couch and I walked up behind her and I put my hands just on her shoulders and said I'm glad you're here mm-hmm. and now she's claiming that I slammed my hands oh, down on God. her shoulders and hurt oh. her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, so Don she's taking yeah. small yeah. facts that are true and expanding and exaggerating connecting things that that did not actually happen in reality and it's i think becoming unsafe to be around her because these accusations could very easily turn into legal problems 
It could um, be harmful to reputations of the of the family members. And so I, I do yeah. I do believe from credible sources that there is a, a potential connection between Lyme disease and psychosis and other medical issues can also lead to psychosis. So we know that it happens at times and it could be the case with your sister. And so this kind of boundary should generally include a statement about I care about you. I care about what's happening to you. And I'm hearing from you. You don't feel safe around me and you can't trust me. And so for, for both of our safety and protection, I think we should we should not be getting together for a while and we should not be getting together alone or even talking alone because uh, I hear you can't trust me and you don't know you, you're, you're afraid of what I'll do um, you can still maintain your innocence Don but acknowledging that she thinks she's unsafe around you folks might make it more tolerable for her to receive this so then you let her know Don I'm willing to talk with you over the phone only or in writing only or with these family members present or once you're back in treatment again uh, because it's not good for either of us to be interacting in this way. How would it be for you to say something like that to her, Don? That she would probably reject it totally because we, some yeah. of the other part members of the family have said, you know, Judy, um, we just, we just think you should need to go see a counselor and get some help. And she re- refuses to do it. She thinks that everyone yeah. else is crazy and not her. Right. Well, the, that's what I was going to say, Alice. Yes, that is exactly right. But maybe, Don, the the last half I of what Alice said. You said though. Right. I could. The first the part, part you said but, about mm-hmm. saying uh, setting a boundary and say we we it's mm-hmm. best we don't even see each other, but we can talk on right. the phone. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that you love her, and then Don, you're still going to have feelings about this too. Because it's your intention is that you love her and you want the family to be supportive. At the same time, I mean, your question originally was, is this real? Because I want to be sympathetic towards her needs. But what Alice has said is very insightful. And I think that that is a good way to go. People can it's, re- okay. it's really tough. People can reject our boundaries, and they and they often do, Don. And it's not we don't it's not in our power to make them accept our boundaries. But the boundary is to set the limit in which you're protected. So she doesn't have to accept that. She doesn't have to agree with it because you're setting where you're you're drawing the line to keep yourself safe from her accusations. And losing relationship with a person or losing contact with them is one of the ways God's God works on our humility and motivation to get the help when we've lost enough people. It can be the turnaround of, gosh, I'm lonely. I, maybe I do need some help. And that sometimes can't happen without multiple losses. We are going to send you a copy of Boundaries, which is the classic on this. And it, and we'll be praying for you, Don. We'll be praying for your sister for healing because it can happen. 1-800-229-3000 if you want to call us. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. We're just thinking about Don's family and just, you know, we'll be praying for you, Don, but it's so hard. Um, Alice and I were just talking about how Mm -hmm. it's so hard to set a boundary and then to experience that loss at the same time because you want that Mm -hmm. connection. Um, And Mm -hmm. we, you know, we just hope that that will continue um, to heal and that there will be improvement in the family. We're going to go to a caller. Uh, We're going to talk with Pam, who's calling us from Gloucester, Massachusetts, WEZE is the station there. Hi, Pam. Thanks for calling. How can we help you today? Hi. Thank you so much for your ministry. 
I listen as much as I can, and you're so helpful. Mm. Um, my my question is, um, I just found out recently that my granddaughter, who is 20 years old, is using marijuana. She said it's legalized, which it may be, but as a believer in Christ, I don't believe a Christian, who she is, should be using it. And now she's not talking to me, and I don't know how I act towards her from here on in. Mm. Pam, what was the the conversation that perhaps led to her stopping communicating with you? What happened between the two of you? Well, we had words um, over a year ago, and I told her that I disagreed with her living with her boyfriend and also smoking marijuana, and she um, said, well, it's legalized, and I said, well, I'm telling you, I don't believe in it, and I love you, but I'm not going to put up with it. And by, mm. by putting up with it, um, was she uh, relying on you in some way in, in, that you had to retract some support of her, financial support, or living in your home? Uh, no. She's on her own. She works, and she is now living with me, but we're in different rooms. She she is and, living with you, but there hasn't been communication for a year. Yeah, it's been quite a while. Oh, gosh, how hard. Well, let me go back. JJ, what would you... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Pam. No, I just want to say it's, it, it hasn't been as much as a year. I would say since last fall. Okay. All right. The, the, JJ, the, how can you help, the Pam? The silence, the, the not talking has been since last fall is what you mean, Pam? Oh, it is, because I, I love her. Mm-hmm. So, so she's mad at me. So she's not talking to me. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. I want to build on what Alice was asking. So when you said to her, I disagree with the way that you're behaving, and I'm not going to put up with it, Mm -hmm. what did that mean to you when you Mm -hmm. said to her, I'm not going to put up with it? Well, I wanted her to know where I stand, and I'm still trying to show her love, but she's just so angry. She's angry about other matters too, and sure, and uh, I just want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I want to do what God mm-hmm. wants me to do. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Okay. Well, Pam, I'm so sorry that you're hurting. Um, I, I think that uh, your heart was in the right place in that you mm-hmm. were you were wanting your granddaughter. To make good, healthy choices, uh, you were wanting her to live in a way that that pleases the Lord. Um, yeah. I think those are good desires. I think where you may have gotten off track is the way in which you communicated to her yeah. your concern for her and your desire for her to live a certain way. Um, because when when we say things like "I'm not going to put up with this" or um, uh, you know, th- things of that nature. It's a very kind of harsh, stern way where I'm communicating that somehow I, I'm i in charge of your decisions or I'm in control of you. And, you know, she's, I forget how, she's 20, 22 years old, somewhere 20, in that range, right? 20, 20 years old. 20 years old, right? Yeah. Yeah, so she's 20 years old. So, so, so she 
has to make I, I did say, excuse and me. Then lives with I the did say to her, right? not that I wouldn't put up with it. I said I disagree with you. Okay. I think so. Now okay. what we have to do? So, we only have a couple minutes left, and I want to help mm-hmm. him. How do you cross that bridge? This is kind of what we were talking about before. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you you have to go to again a humility to say maybe the way in which I communicated that I disagree with your decisions came across harshly or or communicated in some way that that I would that I no longer love you or I or I disrespect you or something like that. So we want to be humble enough to say just because I disagree with your decisions doesn't mean that I don't love you or I don't want to be in relationship with you. And can you forgive exactly. me for the way in which I, I presented that to you? Exactly. Pam. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah go ahead. You might, mm-hmm. you might add to it the acknowledgement of, kiddo, I'm not perfect either. I, I, I try to live by my mm-hmm. Christian faith, but gosh, I've fallen short in multiple ways. And maybe even name some of the ways you've fallen short that have impacted mm-hmm. her. Because it helps to level that mm-hmm. playing field of, Poof, I've messed up too in my life. And I know that you have things that you're angry about in addition to that conversation we had. And, and I want to start hearing about what's gone on between mm-hmm. the two of us that has put this distance between us. Because I want to be in relationship, even if we disagree with each other about how we live out mm-hmm. our faith or how we're living our lives. So becoming that humble listener, Pam, makes it much more likely to bridge the gap back to your granddaughter. But it, it, it is also okay to decide what you're not willing to allow in your right. home and under your roof. In your own home. And mm-hmm. having a live-in boyfriend or using substances while living in your home, it's okay to have a stand against that. But mm-hmm. sometimes that does result in loss of relationship. We're going to mm-hmm. send you a copy, Pam, of uh, Jim Burns' Doing Life with Your Adult Children, even though she is not your child. But you, you know, she's in your house. And just navigating those relationships, um, we need some help. We're glad that you called. We know you love her dearly, and uh, we'll be praying for this relationship to heal. Um, just in our last few minutes, I just want to um, encourage you, if you've missed uh, hearing from Dave Stoop as much as we have, um, he is featured on our latest Life Recovery Today program that uh, aired on NRB TV today. But you can always view our Life Recovery uh, shows on liferecoverytoday.net, or you can watch them at uh, our YouTube channel as well. JJ, in these last few minutes, I just want to ask, why is it that you would spend a couple of weekends in this next month teaching to our married couples at Intimacy and Marriage this weekend, as well as at our Every Man's Battle in a couple of weeks? What drives that for you? Uh, I, I love to see God work miracles in people's lives. Mm-hmm. I love to see that transformation. It's a, uh, it, and, to me, it is it's holy ground, um, and and to get to watch lives transformed, and we see it over and over, month after month after month at our intensives. That you know, I, I say I say at the at the intensive, God shows up and God shows out. Like that's mm-hmm. that's His mo, and and so I, it's a privilege for me to get to be a part of that. Uh, I'm grateful to my family that let me, you know, be away from them for those weekends. They take care of the dog and they take care of, you know, <laughs> all the things at home so that I can be there. But it really is just a privilege. And and so, I'm, you know, I think about a couple or or a husband out there who is trying to decide: should I go? Mm-hmm. Should I should I take the time off work? Should I make this investment? Oh man, you you don't know how much of a blessing you will miss out on 
if you don't go. Uh, God wants to transform your life. Yes, indeed. Well, we're grateful for you, JJ, and for you too, Alice, and for you listeners. We're going to continue taking calls, 1-800-229-3000. Maybe this is your year, if you are married, to join us at Intimacy in Marriage. Our intensive is this weekend in Southern California. We look forward to seeing you there. If you want to call us, give us a call, 1-800-229-3000. Thanks so much for listening. We hope something you heard will help you live in freedom today. If this content was helpful for you, we would love it if you'd take a minute, leave us a review, post about it, and rate it. Remember, we have resources and workshops online for you as you continue your journey. Go to newlife.com and find out more information. And thank you for being part of the New Life community. We know that God desires all of us to live a life of wholeness and healing. And we're so glad that you're here.